section six of the chouan by honore de balzac translated by catherine wormley this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two part three now she said trying to read his eyes own to me that you are not the citizen saint-cyr yes i am mademoiselle but he and his mother were killed yesterday i'm very sorry for that he replied laughing however that may be i am none the less under a great obligation to you for which i shall always feel the deepest gratitude and only wish i could prove it to you i thought i was saving an emigre but i love you better as a republican the words escaped her lips as it were impulsively she became confused even her eyes blushed and her face bore no other expression than one of exquisite simplicity of feeling she softly released the young man's hand not from shame at having pressed it but because of a thought too weighty it seemed for her heart to bear leaving him drunk with hope suddenly she appeared to regret this freedom permissible as it might be under the passing circumstances of a journey she recovered her conventional manner bowed to the lady and her son and taking francine with her left the room when they reached their own chamber francine wrung her hands and tossed her arms as she looked at her mistress saying ah marie what a crowd of things in a moment of time who but you would have such adventures mademoiselle de venouille sprang forward and clasped francine round the neck ah this is life indeed i am in heaven or hell retorted francine yes hell if you like cried mademoiselle de venouille here give me your hand feel my heart how it beats there is fever in my veins the whole world is now a mere nothing to me how many times have i not seen that man in my dreams oh how beautiful his head is how his eyes sparkle will he love you said the simple peasant woman in a quivering voice her face full of sad foreboding how can you ask me that cried mademoiselle de venouille but francine tell me she added throwing herself into a pose that was half serious half comic will it be very hard to love me no but will he love you always replied francine smiling they looked at each other for a moment speechless francine at revealing so much knowledge of life and marie at the perception which now came to her for the first time of a future of happiness in her passion she seemed to herself hanging over a gulf of which she had wanted to know the depth and listening to the fall of the stone she had flung at first heedlessly into it well it is my own affair she said with the gesture of a gambler i should never pity a betrayed woman she has no one but herself to blame if she is abandoned i shall know how to keep either living or dead the man whose heart has once been mine 
but she added with some surprise and after a moment's silence where did you get your knowledge of love foncine mademoiselle said the peasant woman hastily hush i hear steps in the passage ah not his steps said marie listening but you are evading an answer well well i'll wait for it or guess it francine was right however three taps on the door interrupted the conversation captain merle appeared after receiving mademoiselle de venille's permission to enter with a military salute to the lady whose beauty dazzled him the soldier ventured on giving her a glance but he found nothing better to say than mademoiselle i am at your orders then you are to be my protector in place of the commander who retires is that so no my superior is the adjutant major gerard who has sent me here your commandant must be very much afraid of me she said beg pardon mademoiselle hulot is afraid of nothing but women you see are not in his line it ruffled him to have a general in a mob cap and yet continued mademoiselle de venouille it was his duty to obey his superiors i like subordination and i warn you that i shall allow no one to disobey me that would be difficult replied merle gallantly let us consult said mademoiselle de venouille you can get fresh troops here and accompany me to mayon which i must reach this evening shall we find other soldiers there so that i might go on at once without stopping at mayon the chouans are quite ignorant of our little expedition if we travel at night we can avoid meeting any number of them and so escape an attack do you think this feasible yes mademoiselle what sort of road is it between mayon and fougeres rough all up and down a regular squirrel wheel well let us start at once as we have nothing to fear near alencon you can go before me we'll join you soon one would think she had seen ten years service thought merle as he departed hulot is mistaken that young girl is not earning her living out of a feather-bed ten thousand carriages if i want to be adjutant major i mustn't be such a fool as to mistake saint michael for the devil during mademoiselle de venouille's conference with the captain francine had slipped out for the purpose of examining through a window of the corridor the spot in the courtyard which had excited her curiosity on arriving at the inn she watched the stable and the heaps of straw with the absorption of one who was saying her prayers to the virgin and she presently saw madame de Gois approaching marchater with the precaution of a cat that dislikes to wet its feet when the chouan caught sight of the lady he rose and stood before her in an attitude of deep respect this singular circumstance aroused francine's curiosity she slipped into the courtyard and along the walls avoiding madame de Gois's notice and trying to hide herself behind the stable door she walked on tiptoe scarcely daring to breathe and succeeded in posting herself close to marchater without exciting his attention 
if after all this information the lady was saying to the chouan it proves not to be her real name you are to fire upon her without pity as you would on a mad dog agreed said marchatel the lady left him the chouan replaced his red woollen cap upon his head remained standing and was scratching his ear as if puzzled when francine suddenly appeared before him apparently by magic saint anne of Arles, he exclaimed then he dropped his whip clasped his hands and stood as if in ecstasy a faint colour illuminated his coarse face and his eyes shone like diamonds dropped on a muck-heap is it really the brave girl from cotin he muttered in a voice so smothered that he alone heard it you are fine he said after a pause using the curious word godin a superlative in the dialect of those regions used by lovers to express the combination of fine clothes and beauty i daren't touch you added marchater putting out his big hand nevertheless as if to weigh the gold chain which hung round her neck and below her waist you had better not pierre replied francine inspired by the instinct which makes a woman despotic when not oppressed she drew back haughtily after enjoying the chouan's surprise but she compensated for the harshness of her words by the softness of her glance saying as she once more approached him pierre that lady was talking to you about my young mistress wasn't she marchater was silent his face struggled like the dawn between clouds and light he looked in turn at francine at the whip he had dropped and at the chain which seemed to have as powerful an attraction for him as the breton girl herself then as if to put a stop to his own uneasiness he picked up his whip and still kept silence well it is easy to see that that lady told you to kill my mistress resumed francine who knew the faithful discretion of the peasant and wished to relieve his scruples marchater lowered his head significantly to the cotin girl that was answer enough very good pierre she said if any evil happens to her if a hair of her head is injured you and i will have seen each other for the last time for i shall be in heaven and you will go to hell the possessed of devils whom the church in former days used to exercise with great pomp were not more shaken and agitated than marchater at this prophecy uttered with a conviction that gave it certainty his glance which at first had a character of savage tenderness counteracted by a fanaticism as powerful in his soul as love suddenly became surly as he felt the imperious manner of the girl he had long since chosen francine interpreted his silence in her own way won't you do anything for my sake she said in a tone of reproach at these words the chouan cast a glance at his mistress from eyes that were black as a crow's wing are you free he asked in a growl that francine alone could have understood should i be here if i were not she replied indignantly but you 
what are you doing here still playing bandit still roaming the country like a mad dog wanting to bite oh pierre if you were wise you would come with me this beautiful young lady who i ought to tell you was nursed when a baby in our home has taken care of me i have two hundred francs a year from a good investment and mademoiselle has bought me my uncle thomas's big house for fifteen hundred francs and i have saved two thousand beside but her smiles and the announcement of her wealth fell dead before the dogged immovability of the chouan the priests have told us to go to war he replied every blue we shoot earns one indulgence but suppose the blues shoot you he answered by letting his arms drop at his sides as if regretting the poverty of the offering he should thus make to god and the king what will become of me exclaimed the young girl sorrowfully marchartere looked at her stupidly his eyes seemed to enlarge tears rolled down his hairy cheeks upon the goatskin which covered him and a low moan came from his breast saint anne of array pierre is this all you have to say to me after a parting of seven years you have changed indeed i love you the same as ever said the chouan in a gruff voice no she whispered the king is first if you look at me like that i shall go he said well then adieu she replied sadly adieu he repeated he seized her hand wrung it kissed it made the sign of the cross and rushed into the stable like a dog who fears that his bone will be taken from him Piyamish, he said to his comrade where's your tobacco-box ho oh, sacre bleu what a fine chain cried Piyamish, fumbling in a pocket constructed in his goatskin then he held out to marchartere the little horn in which breton put the finely powdered tobacco which they prepared themselves during the long winter nights the chouan raised his thumb and made a hollow in the palm of his hand after the manner in which an invalide takes his tobacco then he shook the horn the small end of which piamiche had unscrewed a fine powder fell slowly from the little hole pierced in the point of this breton utensil marchartere went through the same process seven or eight times silently as if the powder had power to change the current of his thoughts suddenly he flung the horn to piamiche with a gesture of despair and caught up a gun which was hidden in the straw seven or eight shakes at once i suppose you think that costs nothing said the stingy piamiche forward cried marchartere in a hoarse voice there is work before us thirty or more chouans who were sleeping in the straw under the mangers raised their heads saw marchartere on his feet and disappeared instantly through a door which led to the garden from which it was easy to reach the fields when francine left the stable she found the mail coach ready to start mademoiselle de venouille and her new fellow-travellers were already in it the girl shuddered as she saw her young mistress sitting side by side with the woman who had just ordered her death the young man had taken his seat 
facing marie and as soon as francine was in hers the heavy vehicle started at a good pace the sun had swept away the grey autumnal mists and its rays were brightening the gloomy landscape with a look of youth and holiday many lovers fancy that such chance accidents of the sky are premonitions francine was surprised at the strange silence which fell upon the travellers mademoiselle de venouille had recovered her cold manner and sat with her eyes lowered her head slightly inclined and her hands hidden under a sort of mantle in which she had wrapped herself if she raised her eyes it was only to look at the passing scenery certain of being admired she rejected admiration but her apparent indifference was evidently more coquettish than natural purity which gives such harmony to the diverse expressions by which a simple soul reveals itself could lend no charm to a being whose every instinct predestined her to the storms of passion yielding himself up to the pleasures of this dawning intrigue the young man did not try to explain the contradictions which were obvious between the coquetry and the enthusiasm of this singular young girl her assumed indifference allowed him to examine at his ease a face which was now as beautiful in its calmness as it had been when agitated like the rest of us he was not disposed to question the sources of his enjoyment it is difficult for a pretty woman to avoid the glances of her companions in a carriage when their eyes fasten upon her as a visible distraction to the monotony of a journey happy therefore in being able to satisfy the hunger of his dawning passion without offence or avoidance on the part of its object the young man studied the pure and brilliant lines of the girl's head and face to him they were a picture sometimes the light brought out the transparent rose of the nostrils and the double curve which united the nose with the upper lip at other times a pale glint of sunshine illuminated the tints of the skin pearly beneath the eyes and round the mouth rosy on the cheeks and ivory white about the temples and throat he admired the contrasts of light and shade caused by the masses of black hair surrounding her face and giving it an ephemeral grace for all is fleeting in a woman her beauty of to-day is often not that of yesterday fortunately for herself perhaps the young man who was still at an age when youth delights in the nothings which are the all of love watched eagerly for each movement of the eyelids and the seductive rise and fall of her bosom as she breathed sometimes he fancied suiting the tenor of his thoughts that he could see a meaning in the expression of the eyes and the imperceptible inflection of the lips every gesture betrayed to him the soul every motion a new aspect of the young girl if a thought stirred those mobile features if a sudden blush suffused the cheeks or a smile brought life into the face he found a fresh delight in trying to discover the secrets of this mysterious creature everything about her was a snare to the soul and a snare to the senses even the silence that fell between them far from raising an obstacle to the understanding of their hearts became the common ground for mutual thoughts but after a while the many looks in which their eyes encountered each other warned 
marie de venouille that the silence was compromising her and she turned to madame de Gois with one of those commonplace remarks which open the way to conversation but even in so doing she included the young man madame she said how could you put your son into the navy have you not doomed yourself to perpetual anxiety mademoiselle the fate of women of mothers i should say is to tremble for the safety of their dear ones your son is very like you do you think so mademoiselle the smile with which the young man listened to these remarks increased the vexation of his pretended mother her hatred grew with every passionate glance he turned on marie silence or conversation all increased the dreadful wrath which she carefully concealed beneath a cordial manner mademoiselle said the young man you are quite mistaken naval men are not more exposed to danger than soldiers women ought not to dislike the navy we sailors have a merit beyond that of the military we are faithful to our mistresses oh from necessity replied mademoiselle de venouille laughing but even so it is fidelity said madame de Gois, in a deep voice the conversation grew lively touching upon subjects that were interesting to none but the three travellers for under such circumstances intelligent persons given new meanings to commonplace talk but every word insignificant as it might seem was a mutual interrogation hiding the desires hopes and passions which agitated them marie's cleverness and quick perception for she was fully on her guard showed madame de Gois that calumny and treachery could alone avail to triumph over a rival as formidable through her intellect as by her beauty the mail-coach presently overtook the escort and then advanced more slowly the young men seeing a long hill before them proposed to the young lady that they should walk the friendly politeness of his offer decided her and her consent flattered him is madame of our opinion she said turning to madame de Gois, will she walk too coquette said the lady to herself as she left the coach marie and the young man walked together but a little apart the sailor full of ardent desires was determined to break the reserve that checked him of which however he was not the dupe he fancied that he could succeed by dallying with the young lady in that tone of courteous amiability and wit sometimes frivolous sometimes serious which characterized the men of the exiled aristocracy but the smiling parisian beauty parried him so mischievously and rejected his frivolities with such disdain evidently preferring the stronger ideas and enthusiasms which he betrayed from time to time in spite of himself that he presently began to understand the true way of pleasing her the conversation then changed he realized the hopes her expressive face had given him yet as he did so new difficulties arose and he was still forced to suspend his judgment on a girl who seemed to take delight in thwarting him a siren with whom he grew more and more in love after yielding to the seduction of her beauty he was still more attracted to her mysterious soul with a 
curiosity which marie perceived and took pleasure in exciting their intercourse assumed insensibly a character of intimacy far removed from the tone of indifference which mademoiselle de venouille endeavoured in vain to give to it though madame de Gois had followed the lovers the latter had unconsciously walked so much more rapidly than she that at a distance of several hundred feet soon separated them the charming pair trod the fine sand beneath their feet listening with childlike delight to the union of their footsteps happy in being wrapped by the same ray of a sunshine that seemed springlike in breathing with the same breath autumnal perfumes laden with vegetable odours which seemed a nourishment brought by the breezes to their dawning love though to them it may have been a mere circumstance of their fortuitous meeting yet the sky the landscape the season of the year did communicate to their emotions a tinge of melancholy gravity which gave them an element of passion they praised the weather and talked of its beauty then of their strange encounter of the coming rupture of an intercourse so delightful of the ease with which in travelling friendships lost as soon as made are formed after this last remark the young man profited by what seemed to be a tacit permission to make a few tender confidences and to risk an avowal of love like a man who was not unaccustomed to such situations have you noticed mademoiselle he said how little the feelings of the heart follow the old conventional rules in the days of terror in which we live everything about us bears the stamp of suddenness we love in a day or we hate on the strength of a single glance we are bound to each other for life in a moment or we part with the celerity of death itself all things are hurried like the convulsions of the nation in the midst of such dangers as ours the ties that bind should be stronger than under the ordinary course of life in paris during the terror every one came to know the full meaning of a clasp of the hand as men do on a battlefield people felt the necessity of living fast and ardently she answered for they had little time to live then with a glance at her companion which seemed to tell him that the end of their short intercourse was approaching she added maliciously you are very well informed as to the affairs of life for a young man who has just left the ecole polytechnique what are you thinking of me he said after a moment's silence tell me frankly without disguise you wish to acquire the right to speak to me of myself she said laughing you do not answer me he went on after a slight pause take care silence is sometimes significant do you think i cannot guess all that you would like to say to me good heavens you have already said enough oh if we understand each other he replied smiling i have obtained more than i dared hope for she smiled in return so graciously that she seemed to accept the courteous struggle into which all men like to draw a woman they persuaded themselves half in jest half in earnest that they never could be more to each other than they were at that moment the young man fancied therefore he might give reins to a passion that could have no future the young woman felt she might smile upon it marie suddenly struck her foot against a stone and stumbled take my arm said her companion it seems i must she replied you would be too proud if i refused you would fancy i feared you 
ah mademoiselle he said pressing her arm against his heart that she might feel the beating of it you flatter my pride by granting such a favour well the readiness with which i do so will cure your illusions do you wish to save me from the danger of the emotions you cause stop stop she cried do not try to entangle me in such boudoir riddles i don't like to find the wit of fools in a man of your character see here we are beneath the glorious sky in the open country before us above us all is grand you wish to tell me that i am beautiful do you not well your eyes have already told me so besides i know it i am not a woman whom mere compliments can please but perhaps you would like this with satirical emphasis to talk about your sentiments do you think me so simple as to believe that sudden sympathies are powerful enough to influence a whole life through the recollections of one morning not the recollections of a morning he said but those of a beautiful woman who has shown herself generous you forget she retorted laughing half my attractions a mysterious woman with everything odd about her name rank situation freedom of thought and manners you are not mysterious to me he exclaimed i have fathomed you there is nothing that could be added to your perfections except a little more faith in the love you inspire ah my poor child of eighteen what can you know of love she said smiling well well so be it she added it is a fair subject of conversation like the weather when one pays a visit you shall find that i have neither false modesty nor petty fears i can hear the word love without blushing it has been so often said to me without one echo of the heart that i think it quite unmeaning i have met with it everywhere in books at the theatre in society yes everywhere and never have i found in it even a semblance of its magnificent ideal did you seek that ideal yes the word was said with such perfect ease and freedom that the young man made a gesture of surprise and looked at marie fixedly as if he had suddenly changed his opinion on her character and real position mademoiselle he said with ill-concealed devotion are you maid or wife angel or devil all she replied laughing isn't there something diabolic and also angelic in a young girl who has never loved does not love and perhaps will never love do you think yourself happy thus he asked with a free and easy tone and manner as though already he felt less respect for her oh happy no she replied when i think that i am alone hampered by social conventions that make me deceitful i envy the privileges of a man but when i also reflect on the means which nature has bestowed on us women to catch and entangle you men in the invisible meshes of a power which you cannot resist then the part assigned to me in the world is not displeasing to me and then again suddenly it does seem very petty and i feel that i should despise a man who allowed himself to be duped by such vulgar seductions no sooner do i perceive our power and like it than i know it to be horrible and i abhor it sometimes i feel within me that longing towards devotion which makes my sex so nobly beautiful and then i feel a desire which consumes me for dominion and power 
perhaps it is the natural struggle of the good and the evil principle in which all creatures live here below angel or devil you have expressed it ah to-day is not the first time that i have recognized my double nature but we women understand better than you men can do our own shortcomings we have an instinct which shows us a perfection in all things to which nevertheless we fail to attain but she added sighing as she glanced at the sky that which enhances us in your eyes is is what he said that we are all struggling more or less she answered against a thwarted destiny mademoiselle why should we part to-night ah she replied smiling at the passionate look which he gave her let us get into the carriage the open air does not agree with us marie turned abruptly the young man followed her and pressed her arm with little respect but in a manner that expressed his imperious admiration she hastened her steps seeing that she wished to escape an importune declaration he became the more ardent being determined to win a first favour from this woman he risked all and said looking at her meaningly shall i tell you a secret yes quickly if it concerns you i am not in the service of the republic where are you going i shall follow you at the words marie trembled violently she withdrew her arm and covered her face with both hands to hide either the flush or the pallor of her cheeks then she suddenly uncovered her face and said in a voice of deep emotion then you began as you would have ended by deceiving me yes he said at this answer she turned again from the carriage which was now overtaking them and began to almost run along the road i thought he said following her that the open air did not agree with you oh it has changed she replied in a grave tone continuing to walk on a prey to agitating thoughts you do not answer me said the young man his heart full of this soft expectation of coming pleasure oh she said in a strained voice the tragedy begins what tragedy he asked she stopped short looked at the young student from head to foot with a mingled expression of fear and curiosity then she concealed her feelings that were agitating her under the mask of an impenetrable calmness showing that for a girl of her age she had great experience of life who are you she said but i know already when i first saw you i suspected it you are the royalist leader whom they call the gar the ex-bishop of autun was right in saying we should always believe in presentiments which give warning of evil what interest have you in knowing the gar what interest has he in concealing himself from me who have already saved his life she began to laugh but the merriment was forced i have wisely prevented you from saying that you love me let me tell you monsieur that i abhor you i am republican you are royalist i would deliver you up if you were not under my protection and if i had not already saved your life and if she stopped these violent extremes of feeling and the inward struggle which she no longer attempted to conceal alarmed the young man who tried but in vain to observe her calmly let us part here at once i insist upon it 
farewell she said she turned hastily back made a few steps and then returned to him no no she continued i have too great an interest in knowing who you are hide nothing from me tell me the truth who are you for you are no more a pupil of the ecole polytechnique than you are eighteen years old i am a sailor ready to leave the ocean and follow you wherever your imagination may lead you if i have been so lucky as to rouse your curiosity in any particular i shall be very careful not to lessen it why mingle the serious affairs of real life with the life of the heart in which we are beginning to understand each other our souls might have understood each other she said in a grave voice but i have no right to exact your confidence you will never know the extent of your obligations to me i shall not explain them they walked a few steps in silence my life does interest you said the young man monsieur i implore you tell me your name or else be silent you are a child she added with an impatient movement of her shoulders and i feel a pity for you the obstinacy with which she insisted on knowing his name made the pretended sailor hesitate between prudence and love the vexation of a desired woman is powerfully attractive her anger like her submission is imperious many are the fibres she touches in a man's heart penetrating and subjugating it was this scene only another aspect of mademoiselle de venouille's coquetry in spite of his sudden passion the unnamed lover had the strength to distrust a woman thus bent on forcing from him a secret of life and death End of section six